about it, okay? Um, what we'll do, and now you have to you have to exercise your volitionality, so I'm going to ask you what you put, and you got to, like, let me know, okay? So, for the first one, as a couple, you will push through times of tension best by, A, relying on Bible study and prayer, B, learning to surrender when there's not an easy answer, C, working at communication until you reach a resolution, D, looking for someone for guidance who has more experience. Okay, so who said A? We got any A's? Now you got you to exercise your volitionality, okay? Any B's? Good, we got some B's, okay. All right, C? Oh, C, that's a popular answer there. Okay, who says D? Okay. Now certainly each of them are a good answer, okay? But I want to ask you, when your intention, especially and hopefully, I really believe in sanctification, so if we're more fleshly early in marriage, we're hoping that our flesh gets smaller and Christ in us gets larger and we're doing it a little better or differently, okay? But especially earlier in marriage, maybe the first half of your marriage, 15 years, oftentimes there's anxiety and tension. Like why it says in James, be slow to speak and quick to listen, that's a church that was in tension. When you're at a, um, a dinner party, you're not supposed to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Like extroverted people are supposed to have fun and make people like me laugh, okay? You're not supposed to be looking over your shoulder, but when you're in tension, actually you're supposed to be slower to speak and quicker to listen, okay? So oftentimes the more you feel like you have to work through it, the more you don't progress, all right? I would say this, I think what's hard, especially in the first part of your marriage, is to surrender. We, we say things in popular culture like God won't give us more to handle, but then in Corinthians, it talks about Paul being overwhelmed beyond his ability to cope, and why God did that was to trust him, to help him to trust more in God than himself. So I'm gonna say, I think learning to surrender, now I didn't say give up, Learning to surrender is going to help you move quicker to a redemptive marriage than learning to communicate. Certainly you want to learn to communicate. But let me say this. How many of you have had a similar kind of argument in tension and it's somewhat ongoing? Is that anybody's experience? Okay. 70% of the things couples disagree about at the beginning of their marriage stay alive through the life of their marriage. That's John Gottman. Right? We don't fundamentally change our differences. What can grow up around that is, is love, biblical love. Doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. I'll talk some more about this, but like I was offended early in marriage because my wife wasn't neat. Like it offended me. And I even said to her somewhere, like, as we were married a little bit longer, like, you're not being neat shows me that you don't love me. That wasn't a very kind thing to say, right? Okay. But I had to learn to surrender that to work together. All right, we'll, we'll talk some more about it. All right, next one. In Ephesians, where it says the husband is the head of the wife, it means the husband is the spiritual leader, and if there's an impasse, has the final say in decisions. Okay, who says true? Okay, and who says false? Now, not everybody exercised their volitionality there, okay? <laughs> some of the guys definitely weren't going to exercise their volitionality, all right? Y'all, the, the word head 
it actually means source, preeminent, foremost. There's a Greek word for ruler that Paul didn't use in that context, all right? What I want you to think is the head is a source of nourishment that helps the body come together. Christ's sacrifice helped the church join back together, reconciled us to God, okay? I believe head means more joiner together or the way the husband relates to his wife helps the wife to join with him and help them to move forward, okay? I think in decisions, whoever really has more experience if you're at an impasse should get the call on that decision. Now, the way in the husband and wife relate might help that to be done more peacefully, okay? But the word head does not mean decision maker, all right? And, and spiritual leader is probably a little bit closer. I don't like the word leader. That's a modern word, a CEO. So I, it's, it's, he reminds the family, the wife of the gospel, that God hasn't forgotten us, that we're not alone. That helps the wife join together and then helps them move forward towards a decision. All right. Next. The wife is a better judge of how good the husband and wife are relating. Okay, who says True. Uh, we got any falses? Any false? Okay, that's somewhat uh, mixed, okay? Now, we're going to talk about this. Each of these questions have to do with content where I'm going to cover. What we're doing now is kind of stretching. We're loosening up for the content, all right? Um, so that question is really based on, in general, I'll talk about this. A wife is created in her being ontologically. She longs for a relationship a little bit more. Tomorrow I'll talk a little bit about the creation mandate, all right? So a woman tends to think about, see, pay attention to relationship a little differently. I've raised three daughters. Do you know what we talked about? Like ad infinitum? Relationships. Sisters, I mean, there, ooh, ooh, there was a lot of drama raising three daughters, okay? She hurt me. She said this. She didn't do that. As they got into school, who hurt who? Who's dating who? They gained a lot of information about relationships and I think are still gaining it. And I just don't think the guys at their stage or their age are thinking much about relationship. You know when I started thinking about relationship? When I got married. The first time was I ever had to answer a question, should I or shouldn't I go play basketball, was after I got married. Because prior to that, the answer had always been yes. And then I thought, oh no, she kind of wants me here a lot more than sometimes I want to be here, okay? So I had to think about that. So. My answer is actually false, and here's why. Because women care about and think about relationship a little bit more. Here's how they see relationship, like this. Guys see relationship like this, which allows them to be a little more passive. We'll talk about that. But oftentimes it can help them see things the wife doesn't see, right? So they really have to work together to have a view of a marriage. Early on in most marriages, I see the view of the marriage is often dominated by the wife's view. Right? I'll have a couple come in, and I'll ask them how they're doing, and the husband will look at the wife and wait for her to answer. Okay? We want to think about the gospel in a way that's moving us away from that. And both people are having a voice in the relationship. All right, let's move down. Um, consistently doing whatever the wife needs done is a great way for a husband to earn his wife's respect. Who says true? Okay. And who says false? Right, we had more falses. That's good wisdom. Okay, now, I think, um, 
I think there's in Ephesians 3, we'll talk about this, where it says, keep treating your wife with understanding as with a weaker vessel. That simply means physically weaker. Right? It doesn't mean emotionally weaker. Context is physically weaker. I think it's actually good for a husband to serve a wife physically. And I think that can help her to trust him. But fundamentally, a husband's not really trustworthy. Okay? A wife will give her gift of respect as a gift. Now, a husband should be growing, learning, loving, but he's never going to be good enough to earn that respect. There's going to have to be a way where a wife offers it as a gift. It's the same way the command to the husband, love your wife. A wife's never going to be good enough. I had to get to a place in our relationship where I really realized who my wife was was never going to be enough motivation for me to continue to stay in marriage and grow real love. Half the time when it was difficult, part of me was wanting out, all right? And as I'm on the way out in my mind, I would often hear the Lord say, where are you going? And I would say, she hurts me too much. She this, she that. At all times, oftentimes I heard the Lord asking me, so you're saying you have to forgive her more than I've forgiven you? And I would turn around and continue to try to love her as a gift because of something that was happening between the Lord and I. This is a physical picture of, I think, what happens in marriage. My fists are tight together, okay? This is symbolic of hardened hearts and darkened minds. The gospel clears out our minds and softens our hearts. Think of Matthew 7. If you judge the log in your own eye, you will see more clearly to judge the splinter in your brother's eye. All right? How are hearts become more clear is through repentance, is through seeing our own sinfulness, okay? So this is kind of dating, engagement, maybe early in marriage, two people more wrapped up in themselves, hardened heart and uh, darkened mind, and then you begin to knock together. You know the verse, iron sharpens iron? Please don't, I don't know where each of you are at at marriage, but please don't believe this lie that there's a couple out there who's communicating like really easily and moving through difficulty to togetherness and they don't wound one another. Okay, it doesn't happen, y'all. Iron sharpens iron. That sparks, y'all. Cotton balls don't sharpen cotton balls, all right? So that's supposed to humble us and open us up so that we can come together. That's oneness in marriage. Part of what I want you to hear is that you feel more encouraged, and we're going to talk about this later tonight. If, if something is hard and you think it's not supposed to be hard, it gets harder. I don't want to make your marriage more difficult. I want you to accept the difficulty so that you're able to move more fluidly towards something different, okay? So that's iron sharpening iron. It opens us up. It humbles us. It helps us come together, okay? So as I continued and my wife continued to lean on the Lord, he brought us together. He's the source of our oneness. I'll talk some more about that tonight. Let's move down. In the longevity of marriage, it's likely that a husband or wife will change character traits, such as going from being messy to being neat. All right, who says true? All right. And who says false? We got a lot more? Okay. You all, research will show you that we don't fundamentally change personality. Even where, in, um, where Paul talks about gifts and he says, like, you who serve, serve, you who teach, teach. He's talking about the thoughtfulness of our creator, how he makes us different. I've been really surprised by the Enneagram. I, 
we have some millennials here, they know what I'm talking about, okay? Um, so I've never seen, like, I've been around for Myers-Briggs and the DISCs and all the personality tests, and people love the Enneagram. Part of what I think that can help you do is recognize there are created differences that don't significantly shift over time. I just think it's hard in marriage um, to grow acceptance. When my oldest daughter, um, she went to Mississippi College, so we drove her down to college. We helped her move into her room. We got back in the car, and my middle daughter said, do we just leave her here? And I was like, we, we just leave her here. And uh, after she said that, I started weeping and kind of wept off and on all the way home. The next day, I was in church. Midway through, I was like, I, I just I can't be here. It was so sad. And I drove all around Homewood, where my daughter grew up, and as I was grieving, I was like, we didn't go to the Grand Canyon, and we didn't do this, and we didn't do that. And I was letting go of all the things I had desired that didn't happen. Because, y'all, we're made. Eternity has been set in our hearts. It says in Romans 8. And even we Christians who have the Holy Spirit within us is a foretaste of future glory, grown to be released from pain and suffering. We, too, are anxiously for that day when God will give us our full rights as his children. When the Holy Spirit comes in us, we realize we're made for ultimate beauty and perfection, and everything falls short. I really think we were good parents. The problem is we were fallen parents, and we didn't do everything perfectly. And I was grieving that, and I was also grieving <laughs> that girl. For whatever reason, she wanted her. She never wanted to buy at lunch. She was super healthy. Like growing up, she would eat half of her ice cream cone and, and not finish it. And I was like, "Whose daughter are you?" And she wanted an apple cut up in her lunch, and I made lunches. And the very last day that I was making a lunch for her, she walked in, and I was cutting her apple. And I just lost it because I thought, I've loved being your everyday dad, all right? She just moved out. She came home and lived with us after college for a little bit and just moved out. And I'm, I'm not grieving as much, but I'm, <laughs> I'm redoing that, okay? So anyway, as I... Grieve that. I had one of the things. My big word that year was just acceptance. I'm a pretty passionate dude. I want to follow the Lord. I want good. And like my daughter going away to college helped me to accept that not everything's going to happen the way you want. And honestly, we had probably been married about 23, 24 years at that point, and I actually started working at accepting some of my wife's differences better. And I love her a lot better being more accepting. It says this in Ephesians. Make allowance for each other's faults, okay? You all, we have, again, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this tonight. We have sins and we have weaknesses. I am weighty and I'm sober and I'm deep. My wife is the opposite. I think she grew up dreaming of somebody who would like sing and dance maybe, all right? And we were at a friend's of ours wedding a couple months ago, and I think it was the first time we enjoyed dancing together all these years of marriage. Because I think I always felt her sadness because I wasn't a dancer, felt awkward. Like I was able to be loose enough and her enjoy it that it kind of went more beautiful, all right? That, a lot of that was acceptance. I'm going to talk more about that tonight. Okay, let's move down. Prayer is our greatest spiritual weapon. Who said truth? Okay, who said false? No falses? Oh, we got a false back in the back. Raise that high. Because you're right, at least the way I think about it. Oh, over here, we got two, okay? Y'all, humility is our greatest spiritual weapon. How did Jesus defeat the evil one? And think about this. Um, 
keep treating your wife with understanding as with a weaker vessel. If you don't treat her the way you should, your prayers will not be heard. Okay? The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And it talks about Jesus, how he offered up prayers with loud crying and tears, and he was heard because of his humility. Okay? Y'all, I can pray all day to be humbler with my wife, to love her better, and when I step over my pride and love her, I believe the Spirit's working in a very different way than when I'm sitting and praying. Now, the reason I want you to think about that in the book that I wrote and some of what I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about how evil the world and the flesh and the devil works against your marriage. The flesh is inside of you. Realize part of evil is the flesh. We all have a part of evil in us that we have to learn to stand up in. Stand up to, I'm sorry. Okay. Oftentimes early in our marriage, and again, I mean the first 10, 15 years early in our marriage, okay, um, I would be offended by Dawn's messiness because I, I grew up in a very chaotic home, and I organized my life so I could stay out of the line of fire. There was a lot of security. There was idolatry for me and certainty and organization. I actually felt nervous. Like, <laughs> I may talk about this more or not. When we would go visit her family early in marriage, and I saw stuff all over the house, I would get, like, inside. It would, like, I would see this over there, and it was, like, punching me. It was beating me up because I liked certainty and organization, Okay. And so often what I would do is I would be bullied in my mind that we could never be happy if she didn't become more like me, more disciplined and more neat. So then I would bully her. Does that make sense? I'm seeing this. I'm getting afraid. I'm getting anxious. And then I would download on her. And in my mind, I would be like, be quiet. Stop saying. And I couldn't. It was my fleshly nature. I got more and more courage to say no to that and more and more courage to live into the mystery of sanctification together. So I want you to think, because I want you to think to stand up to your fleshly nature, it takes humility. That's what will advance Christ's work in your marriage and in your togetherness, okay? All right, last one. The key to a mutually satisfying sexual relationship is, A, understanding each other's needs, B, grace, C, physical performance, D, none of the above. Okay, who said A? Got any A's? Okay, differentiation, we're going to talk about it in a second, is really important. Understanding each other's needs really helps you to come together. Loving from the other's perspective. For about 10 years, I gave my wife thoughtful cards. And my wife gave me fun cards. You know, I didn't, this is before the internet. I didn't know there were fun cards. I didn't know people actually went to the card store and read cards when they were like at Brookwood Mall for the night. Okay, my wife, let's go read the funny cards. And I was like, I didn't know they existed. I've always gone to the thoughtful cards, all right? Guess what's happened the last 20 years? My wife gets funny cards, and I get thoughtful cards, okay? That is seeing each other's needs and loving from each other's perspective. That's a huge part of sexual togetherness. So I'm going to talk about that, okay? So that's a definite reason. Anybody say grace? Good. I'm going to come back to that. Anybody say physical performance? Anybody say none of the above? Okay, some of you aren't exercising your volitionality. And guys, we've got to, in the church, we've got to talk more commonly about sexuality, guys. We've got to. 
For those of you who have kids, if you don't start talking about it, their relationship with their sexuality is going to be with their friends and the culture, and you certainly don't want that, okay? Guys, I believe why sex is sacred, I believe marriage is like running a marathon. Sex is like a water stop. It's supposed to refresh you so that you can continue towards covenant faithfulness. Now, and I'll talk about this. When you're together sexually, I believe all your shame. Remember, after Adam sinned and God said, Adam, where are you? What did Adam say? I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. This is the posture the evil one wants you to get into. You're turned in on yourself, okay? Human beings are the only species that have sex face-to-face. Grace covers your shame and opens you up and helps you to receive pleasure and to give pleasure. Sex, for you guys, as married couples, is a free gift. The more you are buoyed by grace, the more you want to touch each other in kindness and receive kindness from each other. If I asked you, how many of you receive a compliment well, how many of you would raise your hand? Who here receives a compliment well? Come on, raise it for those of you who do. Okay. Now, for those of you who receive it well, when someone gives you a compliment, do you say, can you give me a little more information? Come on, it's a little funny. Come on. Okay. Y'all, your ability to receive a compliment is a picture of what you're doing with grace. Y'all, every day, the Lord is telling you, well done. Do you hear him? This is my oldest daughter. Has us down in Mississippi College. She's a junior. Has her first boyfriend. We're there for the weekend, and she's entertaining us, okay? And as a typical firstborn, she really wants to please. So I'm saying goodbye after this weekend. And I realize in 10 minutes, her mind's going to be flooded with, what did mom and dad think? I didn't do this. I should have done this. I could have done this. I didn't do this. She's going to be worried about me and her boyfriend. That's why I said, come here, sweetheart. I put my arms around her, and I said, well done. I said, 10 minutes from now, girl, two words, well done. Okay? Because I knew it would be hard hearing that. Y'all, hear me, and we'll talk more about it. But the more receptive you are to grace, the more relaxed and free you will be in your sexual relationship. Okay? What do you think? Like something like sexual violence that turns someone even more in on themselves and then they're not loved well in a way that helps them turn outward, okay? Grace, truth can help us do that. All right, so that is our stretching, all right? We're going to take, partly because after you come back, we're going to go for an hour, so I want you to be able to take a bathroom break, get coffee, get water, come back in about 10 minutes and we'll get started, okay, for the rest of the night.